How's everybody doing today? Good. Yeah, there's water up there. So, uh, so good to be here. Thank you, worship team, for leading us into worship and playing those songs. And so grateful. I'm also thankful uh, that Mr. Jeff Ivey's here today, huh? Praise God. Mr. Jeff. Man, we almost thought you were married to the coronavirus. You wouldn't let it go. <laughs> we're, uh, we're glad that you're here and you're starting to feel stronger, and, and we've been praying for you and believing God for you. And, uh, of course, you are in our prayers every day, and we're thankful that we made it through that season, right? You know, we have achieved herd immunity <laughs> at Brooklyn Teen Challenge. If we've done anything in 2020, we achieved <laughs> herd immunity for the virus. Praise God for that, uh, that uh, everyone made it out alive. Uh, unfortunately, there are people that, that do not. And um, we're thankful that God has kept us through, and uh, we're all able to be here today as in, uh, in a time of worship and prayer. Uh, for those of you who do not know, maybe the students do not know, we are in uh, a time of prayer and fasting, which we started Monday, uh, which will continue until next Wednesday, uh, as we are really focusing on um, starting the year out, posturing our heart uh, to hear from the Lord um, and just center, centering our focus on the Lord. And, you know, even when you believe that he is the answer and you believe that he is the creator and he is really the center of all things, uh, with all of the things going on in our world, in our country, social media and news, even believing that, it's hard it's hard not to get distracted at times. It's hard not. I mean, you have to be intentional not to get distracted because there is so much stuff going on. Not that there's any more stuff going on, but the amount of information uh, that comes our way in a day is just really, really, really incredible. Um, and I tell you what, I mean, I just feel so much better that I took Facebook out during this fast, like... Like, I feel like my problems have just uh, decreased. I'm not worried about what's happening in Washington today. I'm not worried about this and that. Uh, just focused on the Lord and, and, and let, uh, not that we put our heads in the sand and we don't ever uh, know what's going on, but it's, it's good to just to get focused on really what's important, and that is the Lord. You know, um, as I was, I was, talking to, to the Lord this week and just, uh, you know, trying to come up with what I was going to speak about, you know, one of the reasons why I like uh, Wednesdays is because they're a little bit more intimate, uh, they're a little bit more in-house, and, uh, you know, I just may, maybe I feel like I could be a little bit more real and talk about things that, that are really concerning, and, and not that I couldn't talk about this on a Friday night, but I, I think it's really really important that we, we just have some time to talk about prayer today, you know, and uh, what that looks like. Uh, 
And I said when we started to fast that I really wanted to put a, a stronger emphasis in, in, in my own life on prayer this year. Uh, and I wanted to put a stronger emphasis in the ministry of prayer because we can get really busy. And we mean to pray. And we talk about praying. And we even do praying. Uh, but it doesn't become the center of, of everything. And I do believe that prayer and communication with God is the center of everything. And so I just want to take some time to talk about this. It's not, this is not uh, an exhaustive message. It's not really even a polished message. Uh, I'm basically, I don't have three points. I don't have uh, an introductory and a conclusion. Uh, I mean, I do have some thoughts and some scriptures and some things about prayer uh, and, and, and a Bible passage that I want to work through. But I really just want to talk to you about it today. Uh, amen? So before I start, let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for a prayer. And this awesome and ultimate agreement and opportunity that you, you've made with us, that, that we would call upon you and talk to you and that you would hear us and that you would be willing to speak back to us. And we thank you, Lord, that... Um, Father, that, that, that we have an open way to heaven because of Jesus and an open way to the Father because of Jesus. And Lord, we just want to learn to take advantage of the privilege that you've given us in prayer. And Lord, so I would pray in this time that as, 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 as I discuss this with these men and women, Lord, that you would, number one, help me to speak clearly and help me to think clearly, Lord, and, and help us in our hearts and our understanding to know really what you want from us in this area. So, Lord, that we could take, take this opportunity that you've given us. Because I would hate to go to heaven one day and stand before you and you say, man, if you just would have asked me or just would have talked to me about it, I'd be willing to do so much more. We don't want to miss that, Lord. I want to grab a hold of that. In Jesus' name, amen. So prayer. Some thoughts from, from myself. Prayer is any form of communication with God, and it's not limited to religious services or actions. Any communication with God. You know, we often, when we think about prayer, we think about people that pray aloud and people that sound really, uh, uh, sound good when they pray or, or sound like they pray a lot and they sound like they know all the lingo and know all the words, and we, we sometimes get impressed with that, and uh, that could even be intimidating for people that, that may feel like they don't know how to pray or, or don't know what to say. And the truth of the matter is, is prayer is any form of communication with God, any form of communication with God. And it's not limited to religious services or actions. By actions, I mean it doesn't have to be some formal thing between you and God. It's just communication with God. Prayer is not about the movement of lips and pronunciations of words, but the focus of one's heart. Because, you know, prayer doesn't even need to be something that's allowed necessarily. Prayer is a two-way form of the transfer of thoughts and ideas. It's a two-way transfer, meaning... We pray to God and we talk to God and we give him our burdens and our troubles. But it's not a one-way street. 
part of prayer is, is to sit and listen to God. And He will speak to your heart and He will lead you. But even being quiet is a discipline. You know, we know praying is a discipline. We know we have to actively say, I'm going to pray and I'm going to focus on this and I'm going to talk to the Lord, I'm going to communicate with the Lord. But it takes just as much discipline to sit and listen to the Lord. Because we're so quick to listen to everything else. I mean, we're so quick to look to, to different forms of information and study and Google and Facebook and Instagram and, and all the other things and different books. And we, we take in so much information in television, we don't realize that sometimes we can get the greatest form of information that we've ever gotten just by listening to the Lord. It's a two-way form of transfer of thoughts and ideas. Well, what does the Bible say about, about prayer? Just a few scriptures that I, I chose. Jeremiah 29.12 says, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. To me, that's the most amazing thing is that the Lord continues to tell us that if we will call upon him, that he will listen to us. Not just hear us, but listen to us. There's a difference between hearing and listening. Come on. I know I, my wife will probably, I'll say, babe, I heard you, but she, she can probably say time and time, but you're not listening to me. There's a difference about hearing someone and listening. God doesn't only say that he'll hear you, but he'll listen to you. And what's the most amazing thing about that is God wants communication with us so uh, desperately and earnestly that he will listen to us even though he knows everything and we know so very little, he will still take the time to listen to us. He's not so puffed up and proud that, he, that any information or any communication to him is silly. He just wants communication. Philippians 4, 6 do, does, says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. The Lord's even concerned about, about our emotional and mental health. He says, listen, don't be anxious about things. Just bring it to me. I'll take it. I'll carry your burdens in every situation. Even when we've caused the anxiety in our life and caused the problems in our life, he still wants us to come. How many times have you seen someone come to you after you tried to counsel them, you tried to counsel them, and it's almost like you have this posture like, listen, I don't want to hear it. I already told you, and you didn't listen. God says, listen, even though I already told you and you didn't listen, still bring it to me. He just wants us to present our request to him regardless of whether our issue or situation or anxiety is our own fault or someone else's fault. He'll still take it. Psalms 102.17 says, He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. What I love about this is often when you're a person of, of power or money, or reputation, or prestige, people will listen to you more often. People listen to people that have achieved things. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane to me, is people will listen to an actor about politics before, before they listen to anybody on one of those Emmy, you know, Oscar shows. And really, if you think about it, what, what, does, what does an actor who is an artist or somebody who knows how to fake being somebody else, have anything to do with politics. But yet, because they're 
famous and because they've done something else well or because they have money and they have a platform, we'll listen to them as humans. Well, God says, listen, I'll listen to the destitute because in in our world, we don't listen to people that are failures. We don't listen to people that are down on their luck. We we, we don't want to hear what they got to say. We would rather listen to somebody that can dribble a basketball and shoot it in a hoop about great and mighty things than listen to somebody who does not have a platform that actually might know something or, 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 or have something to say just because they're famous and they have a position and a platform. Well, God says, listen, I will listen to the plea of the destitute, meaning I don't care how you, what decisions you've made in your life, how low you might be on the, the food chain, what, what, what financial uh, bracket you may be in, what, you, what education you might have. I will even listen to the plea and the prayer of the destitute. So you, when you come to God, you don't have to come to him bearing all your failures and all your, your weaknesses and say, Lord, I know that I I really haven't done much in life, but can you please listen to me? Because God is not concerned about what we've achieved on earth. He just wants to hear from us. He just wants to hear from us. Even if we're destitute, even if we've made every decision in our life wrong and we've caused every problem that we're facing upon ourselves, he said, still come to me. I'll still listen to you. I won't cast you out like their others would. Matthew 26, 41, and of course this is Jesus speaking, says, Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now this is, this is, this is twofold here because he says, Watch and pray that you won't fall into temptation. We need to pray that we don't fall into temptation, but prayer will also keep us away from temptation. And how will that happen? Because if we watch and pray, the Lord will reveal to our heart what leads us into temptation. Because often when we find ourselves into a, into a place of temptation, it, it's not that we're, you know, we're, 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 we're doing everything right and we find ourselves in, in a place of temptation. And I mean, of course, temptation can present itself. But we find ourselves in a place of accelerated temptation when we steer off from where God has us. You know, some people will say like, oh, well, you're living in a protective bubble. Well, if you follow the, the will of God and you're in, a, a, in prayer, you're always in a protective bubble. You can live in a protective bubble because the Lord says, and we're going to go into uh, the Lord's prayer when he speaks about temptation. But prayer will keep you from temptation. and It'll keep you going in the right direction in your life. And he says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, that has to do with, with, with a lot of things in life because there's a lot of good things that our spirit or our mind is, wants to do, but our, our flesh is not able to do. Like, like, like my spirit and my mind doesn't want to eat brownies at 10 o'clock at night, but my flesh is so weak, so I might just give in and eat brownies at 10 o'clock. Not tonight because we're fasting, but, but any other night. But he's not only talking about that, he's actually talking about prayer in itself. It's like, listen, I know you think it's a good idea to pray. I know that you would like to pray. But remember this, your flesh is weak, so it's going to find every reason not to pray. And every distraction is going to come into your life not to pray. I mean, even when I, I set time aside to pray, it's hard to pray. One of the things that I've, I've kind of put into a custom of my life is I try to go for prayer walks. 
because I find that that when I walk and I'm moving, it's easier for me to focus because uh, I, I'm just a mover. I just don't like to sit in one spot too long. Even if I'm watching something I enjoy, I still stand up and I still walk around the house and I'll go to the bathroom six more times than I really need to. I'll open the refrigerator when I know I'm not going to eat anything out of it because I, I just get distracted easy, easily. So I find out when, I'm, when I have a goal, I'm going to walk for three miles. I can pray and I can stay focused and it kind of it helps me. But even though that I set that time aside to pray, it's still a struggle to pray. I leave the house to say, okay, I have one hour, and I'm going to pray for one hour, and I'm going to walk. And I find myself seven minutes into my walk thinking about who the Mets signed or didn't sign. And I'm like, how did I get here? I mean, I left my house with every intention to spend one hour in prayer, and I couldn't last six and a half minutes. Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But if we don't dictate time, or purpose prayer in our life, it definitely isn't going to happen. So even though we may fail in our times of prayer and get distracted, if we don't specifically put prayer as a priority, it's not going to happen. Because remember, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus said in Mark Mark 11, verse 24, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer... Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, here is the craziest thing in the world that I, 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 I kick myself in the can all the time. So the Lord Jesus Christ, creator of all God, tells me, listen, pray to me, and as long as it's according to my will, my way, it's yours. I'll give it to you. And yet we still don't pray. But yet, if somebody says there's one in 17 million chance that you'll win the lotto, will still people still go up. I don't, but people will still go and play that lotto every single day. There's one in seventeen million dollar, a seventeen million chance. I mean, that means that you take seventeen million chairs, and one of them has a winner taped under it. And you think that you're going to choose the right one. And they'll still go up faithfully every day. Up to, I mean, look, go to the card store. Go up to the liquor store. They're lined out the thing for their one in $17 million chance to win the lotto. And they'll do it every single day. Yet the Lord promises that, listen, if you pray anything according to my will, it is yours. It is yours. And we blow that opportunity. I blow that opportunity. God, instead of fighting for things that are your will and your, and that I know that you're willing to give me, I won't just get on my knees or I just won't get in a posture of heart and just ask you and trust you. And this is one of my favorites too. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We need to re- rejoice always and pray continually. Pray continually. Does this mean that we, we, we have to walk around saying, Bara, pray, Lord, all, all single day, and well, I can't have a conversation with you today. I'm praying continually. No. No, it doesn't mean that. It's a posture of the heart. 
Just like you could be rejoicing without doing anything. I could be rejoicing in my heart. I could be posturing my heart to, to be glad, to be grateful. I can posture my heart continually in an attitude of prayer. Open communication and talking to God. Not, 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 just, not just as a, re, a religious action, but as a, a continuous purpose in my heart. Lord, I'm going to pray. And I love how it says, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's twofold too. Giving thanks to God always is his will. Like, it's his will for you to be grateful and thankful. But it's also whatever situation you find yourself in, it's his will. Because you're in it. Like, if it wasn't God's will for you to be here today right now, you wouldn't be here right now. So be thankful because guess what? Here you are. And be thankful. What does Martin Luther say about prayer? He says, to be a Christian without prayer is like being a human without breathing. D.L. Moody said, every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. Every great movement of God. Oswald Chambers, I know most of you know who he is because many of you have probably read his devotions. It says, prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. The thing I've learned about prayer is if the situation doesn't change, your perspective will. Sometimes God doesn't do things the way we pray for or hope for or wish for. But if he doesn't do that for us, he'll posture our heart to be able to deal with whatever the circumstance is. See, grace works two different ways. See, God, God will give you the grace. Not only is grace the forgiveness of sins and, and him overlooking things, but, but grace is also the ability to endure something. And God, if he doesn't change something that you're praying for, he will give you the grace to deal with it without him changing it. Say, Lord, you know, I really wish that, you know, my, my son's leg would have been healed automatically and he wouldn't have to go through the pain of that. But God gave him the grace to endure it, and thank God he's, he's, uh, he's up and running and all over the place. And sometimes we're asking God to fix our broken legs, fix our struggles, and we're saying, God, why aren't you doing it? But what he is doing is, is giving us the grace to bear it. Many of us would have lost our minds a long time ago if God didn't grace us. A lot of people say, like, you know, I don't know how you work in the kind of ministry that you work in and, 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 and deal with the things that you guys deal with on a regular basis. And I'm like, listen, I mean, to me, it's like another day living. I mean, God has given me the grace to do it. Just like I look at some people that, you know, have different ministries or different callings or whatever, and God has given them the grace to do it. And they're able to do something that I look at them and say, I have no idea. I mean, I look at people that, like, get called into, like, the mission field. The reason why I support missionaries in, in like, the Middle East, because, like, that's the last thing in the world I'd ever want to do. Like, like, they go move and they go live in, in, in a Muslim country where they don't know the language, they don't know the culture, and 
they evangelize and their ministry is developed all on relationship. They don't have churches. They don't do it. They get a regular job in the world, whether it be, let's just say they get a job in a bakery, cooking or whatever. And they're a missionary supported to be there because they're going, their ministry is evangelizing the people they work with and live with. Like to me, that I I I I could never imagine that being my calling and doing that. Like I mean, I just get nervous thinking about, or like living in the middle of like the African jungle or something in a tent with no air conditioning. Like I mean, I just I just and but there are people that love and long to do that stuff. They like not only do they do it, but they long to do it. That's the grace of God in their life. So when God doesn't change things. That you're praying for, know this, he'll give you the grace to bear it. Why do we pray? Number one, because we were commanded to pray. The Bible says we're to pray. Number two, Jesus prayed. And number three, why not? Why not take a chance on prayer? When do we pray? Always. How do we pray? Any way you can. Sometimes it's shedding tears is a prayer. Sometimes it's laying on your face before the Lord. Sometimes it's walking up the street and just thanking him. Sometimes it's a fast or a sacrifice, which is a continual prayer to the Lord. I want to look at a portion of Scripture real quick uh, and talk about the Lord's Prayer a little bit in Matthew chapter 6. And I think this is important because, you know, I was raised Catholic, and we used to, we used to say this prayer over and over and over and think that we were in communication, and not that we weren't in communication with God, but really what we were doing was exactly what the Lord was teaching us not to do. <laughs> we were taking a prayer and communication and making it into a religious thing. And Jesus was giving us a breakdown of what we're to pray for. And if Jesus is telling us what we're to pray for and what a prayer is to look like, he obviously has all intentions of answering those prayers. Amen? Or his word would be contrary. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 14, it says this, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, so that they may be seen. Assuredly, I say to you, that is their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When When you shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will rewardly openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need before you ask them. In this manner, therefore, pray. How many people have, have learned the Our Father, uh, you know, before in their life? Some good Catholic kids here or what? I was Catholic. I made my Holy Communion. Come on now. Come on. So I had to learn this prayer. And I want to break it down a little bit for you guys, kind of in an elementary, uh, elementary way. I promise I'm not going to go over time. Uh, this is going to be relatively quick. 
uh, and I'm kind of just going to talk to you a little bit. It starts off with saying, our Father who is in heaven. Our Father. Well, this isn't exactly like when you write a letter and you say, dear John, or dear, dear Marie. When Jesus said that he should open up prayer, our Father who is in heaven, this actually has a lot more power than just saying, dear this, or dear God, or dear, dear Lord. When we know that our Father is our source, we're able, when we know that God is our source, we can call him our Father that is in heaven. And that's two different parts. Number one, we know he's our Father, which we know a Father what? Protects, provides, teaches, loves, encourages, and comforts. But we also know that he is in heaven, which means that he is not a part of this world. He is, he, he is above this world, that he has all authority and power over this world. So even the statement when, when, when Jesus was saying, say, our Father in heaven, what he was saying is like, listen, you're praying to someone that loves you, cares for you, has taken ownership of you, and that is, is above the circumstance and the situation that you're living in. Then he goes on to say, hallowed be your name, which is actually a form of worship. Hallowed, holy is your name. And worship is prayer, and prayer is worship. What do you mean, Pastor Paul? Well, when we're singing these songs to the Lord and our heart is postured in an attitude of worship, we're actually praying. We're communicating to the Lord. I'm not singing these songs to you. I'm not singing these songs. I am singing these songs as, an, as a prayer to the Lord, as a declaration to God. Because he's holy. And he deserves to be worshipped and honored. And he is above the world, the circumstances, and everything that you have going on in your life right now. There is not one thing in your life that he does not have power over. Does that mean that he's going to change everything? No. I said that before. Does that mean that he agrees or, or it's exactly the, his way? No, sometimes it's not. But one thing I can tell you, that he can change anything that he wants in your life. Any circumstance, any situation, if he deems. And that's the God that you pray to. He is holy. He is separate from all things. Perfect, righteous, pure, and all-powerful. Verse 10 says, your kingdom come, your will will be done. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we really want his kingdom come, his will to be done? Because a lot of times, when we come into prayer, it's more like an attitude or a posture like, like, Lord, this is what I need. You're my genie in a bottle. But God wants us to come to him with an attitude of humility and submission to say, Lord, this is my desire. But more than my desire, it's your desire that I'm more concerned about. And spiritual maturity is when you come to the place where you begin to not only pray for his will, but you're, you're happy to accept his will. Because I'll be honest with you, his will for your life is better than your will if it's not lining up with his will. Because trust me, the things that you pray for that God doesn't give you, it's better that he didn't give it to you. 
I think of all the unanswered prayers, Pastor Charles, that things that I thought I needed and thought I wanted. And now that I look back over my life, I can say I'm thankful that God didn't give me everything I asked for. Because some of the things I asked for would have just hurt me and killed me. Your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's authority and kingship over everything. Not just earth, but also heaven. Give us this day the, our daily bread. You know, it's really important and real, really exciting to me that, that, that Jesus put this in the Lord's Prayer. Because what it, this is saying is that God, our total dependence is upon Him, which means it's His, it's his good pleasure to answer our prayers and give us what we need each day. He expects us to expect Him to take care of us. That's good. That's good to me that, I, that, that when I come to the Lord for my, my earthly needs, my food, my clothing, my housing, things I need to take care of my family, that I'm asking him according to his will to do that. But it's my opportunity to trust him that he's going to fulfill that. And if he has not given me something that I asked for, then I probably didn't need it. But God wants us to look to him as our ultimate source of everything. In fact, when he instructed us to pray, he says, you, you pray for me for everything. It's kind of like I have uh, a couple people in my life, uh, not enough and not many, that say, listen, Brother Paul, if you need anything, you come to me. Anything, you come to me. And I get excited about that. I'm like, man, that's a, that's a really great friend. That's a really good person. And I don't take them up on it because, you know, God supplies everything. But I know there's certain people, it's limited, that if I says, you know, I'm a little short or I need this or I need some help or I need a car. Honestly, I really believe 100% that they would, they would help me and do it for me. They would give me and that, 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 that makes me feel good. But how much better should I feel that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who owns everything and controls everything and spins, spins universes out of the words of his mouth, tells me, I'm your source. If you need anything, you come to me. If you need anything, you come to me. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. You know, we all sin. We all sin, and God is the one who determines what constitutes sin. You know, we're living in a world where 20 years ago what we knew to be sin, the world and our culture will tell us, no, it's not sin. In fact, you'll be, called, you'll be told that you're wrong or that you're evil or you're a hater if you say what used to be known as sin is not sin no more. And then when, when, if the pendulum was to swing back the other way, you'd have to run with them and say, all right, it's sin now, it's appropriate now, now it's not appropriate. You know what I'm saying? You know, it wasn't appropriate 10 years ago for boys to go in the girls' bathroom. But listen, I don't know, tomorrow they might say it's appropriate for boys to go back in the girls' bathroom. And I don't, I don't have to swing back and forth because God is the one who's, who dictates what sin is and what's, what isn't sin. And listen, God is the one who we need to be accountable to. 
God is the one that says what, what is evil and what is good. And it's him that we need to go to for forgiveness. And we need to forgive others because really, it's really ugly and ungrateful if we're so willing to accept forgiveness for our own life, but yet we're not willing to give it for somebody else. You know, we'll be the first ones to say, that person needs to be judged and damned, but hopefully nobody knows the sin I carry or the sin in my heart or what I've gotten away with because, you know, we'll keep that. But they need to be judged. There needs to be restitution for that. We're the first ones to say that. Well, God says, listen, if you want to be forgiven from me, you must walk in humility and submission and be willing to forgive others. You know, it's funny, like even with some of the stuff with, you know, even with, you know, not to bring up politics, but the election where people are like, well, the truth will definitely come out. God's going to judge it. It's like, listen, if God started judging all the sin and everything, we'd all be in a lot of trouble. We'd all be running to hide in some fig, fig trees, Pastor Charles, wouldn't we? I mean, if everything you ever thought or did wrong was exposed, we'd all be in a lot of trouble. Ain't one of us be able to stand up here, I promise you that. So we need to walk in humility. And as we ask the Lord and go to the Lord for forgiveness, and he's willing, it's part of our prayer life, Lord, forgive me. But it's also a position of our heart to say, Lord, forgive me, and I will forgive others. Because just the same way I don't want to be judged for my wrongdoing, and I'm not talking about the big sex, drugs, and rock and roll stuff that you were doing before you got here. I'm talking about the everyday life stuff that we still do. The lusts of the eyes. The pride of life. Gluttony. Judgment. Jealousy. Backbiting. Gossip. Is there anyone here that hasn't done any of that just this morning? So in our, in our attitude of prayer, we also carry an attitude of forgiveness for other people, consistently and continually. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. One of the things that I've said in, in, in dealing with Teen Challenge and people that have fallen back into sin and relapse and different things is I've noticed is that often people will not, sin kind of is a slippery slope. And God will keep us on level ground. And as we compromise, we kind of play on a slippery slope. And eventually it leads us to a place of, uh, of greater sin. Like, for instance, generally nobody is coming to church and in church when they're tempted or somebody presents them with a bag of dope. Usually you're in a place, fellowshipping with people that you already knew you shouldn't have been around. The Lord has a way of leading us not into temptation. And that's, that's one of the benefits of being in a ministry like this is that you are led not into temptation. Now, you still face some temptations. Of course you do. 
I mean, you, you, the temptation to run out the door and go do what you want is there. But generally, when you're in this bubble, whether you're a student or even whether you're staff and intern, you are insulated and protected from a lot of evil. You have accountability in your life. You have structure. You have people forcing you to do the things that you need to do to stay spiritually well, like coming to church and fellowshipping and worshiping and praying and reading your Bible. At this point in your life, you're forced to do that. So we walk around with strong, you know, with our head up high saying, I am spiritually strong. But really, it's the provision of God that brought you to a place like this and a community like this. It's kind of almost like he's hand-feeding us. And that's okay. I mean, I'm still being hand-fed, you know, going into my 12th year here in September, and, you know, I'm perfectly fine with it, you know. I mean, whatever. I'm feeling real good about where God has me in my life. But I also know that it's not that the ministry needed me so much. Maybe I needed the ministry, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But God has a purpose and a way in in your life to lead you away from the, the temptation that easily entangles you. I believe that most people that are in ministry that are pastors, you know, it's, it's not that they're so spiritually great and strong. It's like they said, Lord, I'm going to be in the ministry and stay doing your work because I need your work to keep me out of trouble to be in myself. Honestly and truthfully, and that, that, that is the truth. And I bet you most pastors will tell you, man, I, I need the ministry as much as the ministry needs me. I need the structure. I need the accountability. Because we're living in a world and a culture that does not provide that. Now, you go back, you go back, you know, some years, or even some people now, I mean, well, let's just take, um, you know, Orthodox uh, Jews. They have some kind of structure and accountability in their life and a way of living that still provides them their form of godliness. Obviously, they're missing, missing, you know, the whole revelation of Jesus. But my point being is we don't have that in our culture. You are left. In fact, accountability is like a bad thing. And like, you know, once again, what's considered right is wrong, and what's wrong is right. So when you walk out those four walls, you have to face things that you never would have to face in here, in realities. It's the honest truth. So if you feel like you're strong, and that you got it all together, and that you got this thing down pat, you may not see it's the same way once you get out there, because it's hard out there, my friends. It's hard out there. But when we pray to the Lord, lead me not into temptation, what you're saying is, God, lead me in a will and on a path that keeps me from myself. Jesus, he declared, he told us, I want you to pray for this. I want you to pray that I lead you away from sin. And you could say, Lord, you know, I don't want to go back to addiction. Lead me, give me a path, give me a... Stick around the ministry. No, but not that one. Lord, lead me away. I don't want to be. I don't want to go to jail anymore for addiction. I don't want to steal from mom no more. Stay in the ministry. No, not that way, Lord. You know, so there's got to be another way. I'm leading you away, you big bonehead. I mean, sometimes I wish God would speak to me that way. But that's how it is. It's like, you know, I'm just trying to seek out the will of God in my life. It's like, well, what has he told you? Nothing. Well, then you're in the will of God. Then just stay put. Do what God's called you to do until he opens up a door that you know is God's will. God is not a God that's hard. He's not looking for you like, man, if I got to, oh, it's God's will. Oh, oh, you're in God's will. And until you get a further instruction 
from him and from the people that he's put around you where you can say, you know what? That sounds like God to me. You just keep on doing what God has called you to do. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Remember this. The worship team can come. He still remains the Alpha and the Omega. He's still the beginning and the end. And he closes out the Lord's Prayer with, with, with saying this. is like, listen, God, it's your kingdom, and you are the power and glory forever. Amen. This is Jesus teaching them, like, listen, guys. You know, we're going to start this out with our, our Father want in heaven. He's God. He's holy. He's above everything. And we're going to sandwich it all together. And he's going to close it with, listen, he's God. He's got it. And in between, he's going to tell you, listen, lean on me for your way of life. Lean on me for your provisions. Learn to walk in humility and forgiveness of, your, of yourself and other people. And honor me and worship me. It's very simple. And that's what we have to focus in on our prayer life. You say, well, brother, I don't know what to pray. Worship him. Honor him. Ask for forgiveness. Forgive others. Ask him for your daily needs. And ask him to direct your life. He's the beginning and the end in the beginning of the prayer. And he's the beginning and the end at the end of the prayer. It doesn't have to be this big complicating thing. And it doesn't have to be extravagant. It doesn't have to be a bunch of words. It doesn't have to be, you know, up to date on, uh, you know, uh, uh, Christianese. Come on. We all know it after being in church a while. We know how to say the right words and sound elegant. It doesn't have to be that, man. You just got to be from your heart. You just got to talk to him. And sometimes you don't even have to use words. You could just lay on your face before him on your knees. You can cry to him. You can moan to him. You can speak in a heavenly language. There's so many ways. And it doesn't have to be only dedicated to one particular time. It can be continual walking up the street. Lord, Lord, thank you. Lord, I mean, walking up the street, Lord, help the broken. Heal people, Lord. Touch people. Lord, help me. Forgive me constantly. I must ask God for mercy. If I don't ask him for a hundred times a day, I, I'm, I, I'm not, I don't ask him at all. Constantly, God. Give me an open heart of prayer for you. An open communication. There's no such thing as not being able to pray, man. There's no such thing as not being holy enough to pray. None of us are holy enough. That's why we pray. That's why we need him, because he is holy. So I wanted to start out this year focusing on prayer. That's what the Lord put on my heart, man. We got to pray more. This ministry was birthed on prayer. This ministry has been sustained by prayer. One thing I can tell you about Dave Wilkerson and Don Wilkerson is they are people of prayer. Prayer. 
So let's make a commitment in 2021 to pray more. And all that means is let's make a commitment to communicate to God more. Let's make a commitment to, to, to listen to him more. Let's make a commitment to depend on our needs from him more. Let's, let's make a commitment to, 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 to forgive others more. Let's make a commitment to walking in God's will that leads us away from temptation, not to temptation. God isn't, his will isn't to lead you into temptation. Well, I got to face my, I got to go back home where my mom's an alcoholic and my brother's a heroin addict, but I got to face this stuff. Yeah, you're a fool. The Bible says only a fool rages in self-confidence. Only a fool. God wants to lead us away from temptation. And he makes ways. And I'm not saying this is the only way. There's other ways. I've seen too many people that had a heart for the Lord. Even said, Lord, God's called me into the ministry and I want to serve Jesus. But yet I'm going to leave ministry to go back in the world to get back in ministry. And it doesn't happen. More times than not, I get calls, overdose, dead, relapsed, missing, restorations here. When they already were in a place where God was protecting them. Already around the right people that loved them and cared for them or with the structure and the accountability. The other thing is that we got to focus on in 2021... We cannot walk in unforgiveness and bitterness towards other people. One of the things that absolutely drives me insane is when I see especially my staff and interns bickering and fighting with each other. It's such a basic foundational thing of forgiveness and mercy. And yet we will fight over the stupidest things. God says this. He says, if you cannot forgive someone you can see, If you cannot love someone you can see, then how are you going to love God who you can't see? So let's, let's, let's walk in forgiveness and mercy and posture our heart. Guys, the greatest thing about prayer is the scripture I showed with you earlier. God promises that anything you ask according to his will, he will do. He said, it's yours. That was Jesus. That wasn't, not that any of the prophets or the apostles are, are any less in the scriptures, but that was Jesus saying, listen, pray to me. Ask me. I'll give it to you. Why do you go chase it over there when I'll bring it right to you at your feet? God loves us. He wants to be with us. He wants to talk to us. And he wants us to talk to him. And he wants to take our failures and our weaknesses. He wants to take our troubles. He just wants to be with us and talk to us.